0: of a mighty and a powerful and an awesome God. Amen. He is the infinite God. He has no ending. He has no beginning. He is the self-existent one. And uh, that doesn't even begin to describe who he really is. Amen. But the amazing thing is, is that He uses His finite beings that He created to do His will on this earth. Amen. He needs us to fulfill His will. Amen. If He just did it all by Himself, what, what, what need would He have for churches or people? He would just save everybody, right? But He needs us. He needs His vessels, amen, to fulfill His will. And, and that's exactly what we're doing, amen, as people of God, amen. It might not feel like it sometimes. We might like feel like we're out in left field somewhere, but we are here in His will and for His purpose, amen. And it is such a privilege to be a part of His kingdom, amen. You know, He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. And, um, you know, that there's a song that says He chose me. We're not going to sing it, but He chose me out of all the people in this world. Amen. Amen. I gave Him my heart. I gave Him my soul. And then He took control. And I let Him. Amen. Really, we want God to take control. Because if you think about it, when we were in control, oh, what a mess we were in. Oh, what a mess we got ourselves in. Amen. We could have just stories all day long about that right here in this room. Amen. But I can tell you, when I let God have the steering wheel and I let go of my control of things, that's when start things start happening. Amen. And so we're going to minister to you briefly this morning while it's still morning. And um, hopefully I believe that God has already ministered this to me. And so I'm going to do my best to to speak it to you the way he spoke it to me and i believe that god's going to minister to every single individual in this room today if we'll open our hearts open our minds lay aside all of our preconceived ideas and notions and just let god speak to us amen so you know sometimes god imparts things through the preaching of his word and through the the services and Sometimes we don't even know that, that things are being imparted into our mind. It doesn't come into us till later. It's just some things just click later, a one a day, a week, a month later. Something that was said in a service just clicks, and then some. There's some things that just stick with you throughout your entire life. My wife and I were talking the other day about a service that happened probably 30 years ago that she remembers something specific about that service that ministered to her. And so you don't forget those places. And so this is one of those days, amen. God has already spoken through this man of God and I've already heard good things, amen. And it's almost immediately out of the mouths of some as soon as they hit the basement, they're telling me what I missed. (laughs) So so I'm not lifting up Brother Miller. He's just being a vessel and saying what God told him to say. Amen. And uh, God sends us to, to say what he wants us to say, and and it's up to us whether we want to receive it or not. Amen. How many wants to receive something from God today? I want to receive something. I have received something already, but I'm not satisfied with that. I want more. Of what God has for me, don't you? Amen. I don't want to leave anything out. I don't want to say, oh, well, I've got enough. God, I, you, you, can, you can keep the rest. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want everything that, that I have coming to me. Amen. Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, and we are going to receive the tithes and offerings, we're just throwing the devil a curveball and and we're changing up, you know. Boxers when they have a when they're in a boxing match, sometimes they do a change up. The box the other guy's expecting a a left hook, and he gives him a right curve, you know. And so we got to throw a change up on the devil sometimes. Amen. And so, amen. Give him an uppercut when he's expecting one right in the face. And and so, amen. So we need to to upset the apple cart a little bit sometimes. Amen. And. And trust me, you'll get to give your offering in tithe. We don't want to leave that out of the service. That is part of your worship. Amen. That is part of your worship to the Lord and your sacrifice to Him. Amen. I, amen. I, I love, love loving the Lord. I love worshiping the Lord. I love serving the Lord. Amen. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse. we're going to go starting in verse 1, Sister Parker, if we could. Give, give our booth person a second to, I did send her verse 4 through 7, but that's my bad for not going back there before service and telling her otherwise. Hallelujah. Amen. Ready, instant in season and out season. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless those booth people. they got to put up with people like us to change things up on them. The words of Nehemiah the son of Hecaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, which is about the month of November December time frame, in the twentieth year as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came and he certain he and certain men of Judah and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity. And concerning Jerusalem, they had been taken captive in, into Babylon. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and a reproach. Amen. God doesn't like when his people are being reproached, but sometimes they bring it on themselves, don't they? In this case, Israel brought it upon themselves. They allowed themselves to be taken captive because they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't obey, and they wouldn't honor the Lord. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left in the captivity in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, it was kind of like he just couldn't believe it. You know, the shocking news, he just kind of fall down in a chair and go, Oh my God. I didn't realize that. It's kind of what he did and and he wept and he mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, "I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy, that word terrible means awesome, for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive. And thine, don't we want God's ear to be attentive to our prayers? Man, I want God listening. I don't want my prayers to be hindered. But, uh, it says, And thine eyes be open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we, note there he says we, not they, Which we have sinned against Thee, both I and my Father's house have sinned. In verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly against Thee, and we have not kept Thy commandments, nor Thy statutes, nor the judgments which Thou commendest, Thy servant Moses. Father, we love You today. We thank You for all that's been done already in this service. Father, we pray each one of us wants to receive something from you today, some nugget, something we can take away from this place that will cause us to be different than when we came in this place. Help us today to receive your word, to receive impartation, to receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We plead the blood of Jesus over the rest of this service, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so the month of Chislew was about the month of December, and so and it goes on to say that, that it wasn't until the month of Nisan that that things started to happen. Well, that's about four months later. So basically what's going on here is that Nehemiah, whose name means the Lord comforts, Nehemiah prayed for four months because of this news that he received of the of the, the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem and and it's, uh, it's believed that Nehemiah had some kind of connection back to the throne of David. And so he was in that lineage somehow. And, and so he had that same spirit that David had about the kingdom, about the things of God. And it grieved him when he heard of the condition of the city of the walls of Jerusalem. It grieved him. And, and he was just beside himself. And he, the only thing he could do to think to do was pray. And so the title, if you want to have a title of my message today, is Who Will Weep and Who Will Mourn? Amen. And that's probably how Nehemiah felt. He thought, my goodness, how is it that the city is is broken down? And he, he knew that they had already rebuilt the temple, and he knew that they had rebuilt their houses. If you read on down through there, they had rebuilt the temple, and they had rebuilt the houses, and God had used these. These, these kings, to give them the ability to do so. But here they were in their own city, in their walls, their protection. The thing that, that really was there for their protection was broken down, and nobody was doing anything about it. And this really bothered Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah, he kept this news to himself, because you see, Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer for King Xerxes. And the cupbearer, you, you, you think about what is a cupbearer. Well, really what a cupbearer is, is just like a food taster. And we have leaders in this world today that have people that work that are in their inner circle. They taste everything that's made before they eat it. They drink of everything that's, drink, that's poured before they drink it. Why? So somebody doesn't poison the leader. Amen. And so when you're that close to the king... You've got an inside track, and the king sees you every day. So he knows about your family. He knows about what's going on in your life. And you have an inside touch with the king, and you have influence. So Nehemiah was a person of influence, but he realized his place as the cupbearer. And so, as you know, the king saw him every day. He had to maintain his countenance. So for four months, he wept. He mourned. He fasted. He prayed. He interceded. He travailed for that city of Jerusalem, for the people of Jerusalem. And he just felt that urgency, that burden, that he had to do something. It was like, my God, nobody's doing anything about it. The walls are broken down. They're still broken down, and nobody's built them back up. Somebody's got to do something. And it was just like like Daniel when he was... Uh, in that lineage, and how he, he came through everything that he came through. And he was there when King Cyrus took over. And God placed Daniel at that particular moment, at that particular time in the existence of the world, for such a time as that. For Daniel to be there to be the right hand man of King Cyrus. And God used King Cyrus to begin the process of rebuilding and putting the, the tabernacle and all these things back together. And so God had used also King Xerxes, who was over. And, hey, praise God. Change up. Oh, it, it's dead. <laughs> praise, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Can anybody hear now? <laughs> praise God. And so he had to prepare the ground. And so it took that four months for God to begin to deal with King Xerxes. And we know that because as you read through the book of Nehemiah, when he went one day to the king as his cupbearer, just doing his job every day, King Xerxes said, hey, Nehemiah, what's wrong with your face? You look sad. You don't normally look sad, Nehemiah. And, and Nehemiah said, well, you know, it's there's this little slight problem with my with my city of Jerusalem and the walls, and it's just... You know, it's really been bugging me, and, and I, you know, I, I just can't help it. And I'm paraphrasing what all that says. And, and so the king says, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> what do you want to do about it? And that was his opening. That was his opportunity. That was God confirming to him, okay, now speak what you have to say. And so he told him. Well, king, this is what I want to do. I want to go there, and I want to rebuild the walls, and I want to help the people get their attitude right. And I'm going to need some wood, and I'm going to need some this, and I'm going to need some stuff. And I'm going to need to be gone for a while. So you might have to get get the backup guy to come in here and be your cupbearer, right? Maybe he needed a cupbearer, right? So there had to be a backup. Because, you know, if you're tasting the king's food and somebody's trying to poison him and you taste the poisoned food, you're going to die. And then they're just going to bring the next guy in. It's okay. Yay, I want to be in line for that. right? <laughs> and so so he told all this to the king. And you know what the king said? Fine. Here, I'll give you letters with my stamp on it. You know, they had a ring on their finger and they would put wax on that. And that was the authority of the king. he had the authority of the king. And that was why he prayed for four months. He had to intercede and travail for the mind of that king to be made right. And so as he traveled there, all these people, they probably had checkpoints and stuff, and all these people were saying, "Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa! wait, where do you think you're going? Oh, he's got letters from the king. Oh, and not only that, but the king also said that you guys that run the forest, I get the, all the wood I need. And you guys that do the gold and the carving, I, I get to use all your stuff too. And so he had the backing of the king, and he made him governor over that city. And so he went into the city, and, and he began to say, what is up, people? You know, basically, he's like, we've got to build these walls. And, you know, everybody was just kind of like, well, you know, they were kind of in the molly grubs. You know what I'm saying? They were, da- they were down there kind of like, well, you know, this is good enough. We got." Our... He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. These are the walls of Jerusalem. This is the city of God. Don't you understand? He was shaking them. Amen. How many how many preachers has God sent into cities to shake up a city and say, "Hey, wake up." Amen. Man, there's people out there in this city right now that are just like that. Amen. Some are backsliders, some are not backsliders. Amen, but they are captives, just like the people of Israel. They are captives to the enemy. What does the Bible say? That Satan has them blinded against their will, at his will. They don't even know that they are prisoners of war. They're in a prison camp. They're lost, amen? Here we come on Sundays. This is, we have a pew to sit in. We have an altar we can come and pray to. We have a place we can worship God. Well their pew is a bar stool. Might be a bar stool. It might be their altar might be the end of the bar. Order another round, bartender. Amen. They're out there worshiping the thing, the only thing they know to worship cuz they've believed the lie of the devil for so long and he's had kept them blinded for so long. They don't know what's going on. You know, you look at Paul in the in the New Testament. He was a religious man. He thought he was doing right. How many of us can remember when we thought we were doing right? I can remember when I thought my religious ways were right. You couldn't tell me any different. But you know what? Somebody like Nehemiah was praying for me. I don't know who it was. I don't know what their name is. I could guess who who it might have been, but I know... That without somebody praying for me, I would have never found this truth. Amen. Because I'm not just going to wonder, uh, you know, but the Bible says that no man comes to him except he draws them. But how can you be drawn if you're blind? How can you even hear or understand what God is saying if your mind is blind? You might hear it, but you're not, it's just going to, you ever taught somebody a Bible study? and you're st- sitting there teaching them a Bible study, and it just looks like the light's not on. I was like that. I was going, uh-huh, yeah. I heard everything you said. And then I would get up and walk away. And I no, received nothing. Oh, that's nice. Because there was, there was darkness. There was blindness upon my mind and my eyes. But one day, one day, even after I started going to the church and was hearing this preaching, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of hitting and bouncing off. But one day I was sitting there in my quarters in Okinawa reading my Bible and all of a sudden it clicked. Something happened. Just like Paul, when he was Saul, when he was on that road to Damascus doing his religious duty, something happened. And here those people were Ananias and those people, they were praying for God to take him out. He's killing us. Take him out. That way he won't kill us anymore. (laughs) Be careful what you pray for. (laughs) God doesn't always answer the way you pray. Ask Ananias. He's the one that got chosen to go tell Saul that he needed to be (laughs) baptized in Jesus' name. But God got a hold of Saul, I believe, because of the prayers of the people of God. And their prayer might have been one way, but God meant it for good. He took it another way and said, I'm not going to deliver him, not only deliver him from killing all of you, but I'm going to send him to you to minister to you and to be a preacher to you. Amen. And so we, we can't stop praying. I guess that's kind of the point I want to get to. We can't just pray, now I lay me down to sleep prayers. How, how do you think those people were. How do you think Nehemiah was praying for those four months? He wasn't putting his time in and doing 10 minutes, 15 minutes here and there, and, and then going on about his business. It was serious to him. He was interceding. He was travailing. He had no Holy Ghost. So he had to go to the presence of God and just basically, the Bible said he was pleading. When you're pleading for something, it's like. It's like you're down on your face. You're you're wrenching your gut, and you are just God, do something. Open their blind eyes. Unstop their deaf ears, God. Do something. Amen. And that's probably what Ananias and the and the boys were praying for Saul. Do something about this guy, God. Do something. You're the Almighty God. You know, and <laughs> the Bible says that. They that do know him and serve him are going to what? Suffer persecution. So this is not going to be a rose garden. Okay? Amen. The more we do for God, it's going to seem like the more stuff's going to come our way. Amen. I was wrestling in, in my bed last night over this. I believe the enemy was, was coming after me. He was he was attacking me in my mind, in my dreams. I felt like, I woke up like, the first thing out of my mouth was, devil, you're still a liar. Because he does not want this message and this gospel to be preached here or in this city for that matter. He wants those people to stay in those bar stools, amen? Amen. And he wants us to keep the mindset of, well, gee, this is Wisconsin. And I guess that's what they do in Wisconsin, right? (laughs) The 12th most drunk city or something like that came out recently in the paper. And we just, you know, the devil would love for us to just sit around and say, "Oh well, that's just the way it is." Gemini Christmas, what are we going to do about it? But he planted this church here in this city. Amen. Just like when Esther when she was called to be the the queen what did, what, did, what did her uncle say to her? Who knows for such a, that you aren't placed here in this place for such a time as this. She was willing to go and break the law and go before the king without him raising his scepter and asking for her because the, the penalty for doing that was death. But it was all about the people of Israel, and she was willing to put her life on the line for an entire nation. Amen. How do you know that you haven't been placed here for such a time as this? And I'm here to tell you you have. Because you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Okay? I was comfortable in Kentucky, even though it wasn't God's country. <laughs> ah. But really, I mean, in my flesh, I was comfortable in Kentucky. I was, I was around family. It was a comfort zone for me. But I believe now, as I'm, I've come here, it's, a, it's been a year, just over a year, I believe that God has delivered us from some things that might have caused us to walk backwards. You know, that's what happens when you kind of get in a comfort zone. You kind of start taking it easy, and you don't... Maybe you don't pray as much. You know, you kind of, God's, you know, he's taking care of things, you know. And so, but God will move us. He will plant us. It wasn't the most comfortable situation for Nehemiah to be in. But I believe just like Esther, just like Daniel, just like Nehemiah, we have been placed in this place specifically for God's will. He's not waking up every day thinking this stuff up, Brother Miller. It's just as he goes along and going, gee, man, I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't plan on that happening. Now what do I do? Oh my goodness. That's not what God's doing. He is the infinite, almighty God. If you don't believe He has a plan already worked out before you ever came into existence, you have to believe that. He he knows the end from the beginning. He is the beginning and the ending. The Bible says He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Amen. And so He had to get those people out of their molly grubs. He had to wake them up and get them busy doing something. And when they started mumbling and grumbling, He said, no, 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 no. We're going to build the wall. He took control of the situation. He had already prepared their hearts. And they begin to receive that from him. And he said, now you're going to put a trial in one hand, and you're going to put a sword in the other hand. And if the enemy comes to try to stop you, this side's going to run over there and help that side. And if they come over here, this side's going to drop their trials and come over here and help that side. And we're going to help each other. But we're going to get this thing done. And they did it. And in the end, I, I don't know if it says it in the Bible, but I kind of read into it that they almost couldn't believe it, Brother Terry, that they actually did it. And, you know, when you try to do something for God, what's going to happen? You're going to have naysayers. You're going to have people that are going to say, oh, don't do that. Don't go there. No, you'll, you won't get anything accomplished there. You'll just, you know, you might as well just quit while you're ahead. You know, that's what they told Paul Dennis in 1970-something when he was said, you know what, God's calling me to the island of Okinawa, Japan for the military. And all of his friends in the ministry said, oh, you don't want to do that. Well, thank goodness he didn't listen to his friends. Because I'm standing here today because he was there. Because he didn't listen to the naysayers. And we've got naysayers in our life. And people are saying... I mean, my own family, why would you go to Wisconsin? And why would you go to some, where did you say you were going again, La Crosse? We've heard of Madison, we've heard of Milwaukee, but where is where is lacrosse? right? And I got all that, you know, and I I was so confident that God had spoken to me that it didn't matter what they said, Sister Miller. Did I understand it? No, not at all. Probably still don't fully understand it, but that's not, it's not up to me to understand it. It's up to us to, to realize that He's calling us and just go do what He's called us to do. You know, we sing that song, but I don't know if we believe it or not. We'll understand it better by and by. <laughs> it's a nice song, but do we really believe that? Amen? And so God has called us here. To this city amen and if he calls us away from here that's his will too if he calls you away from here if he calls you out of here if he's placed you where you are he's put you there for a reason and you might not be able to knock doors you might not be able to walk around and, and hand out tracts but you can do one thing you can pray you can intercede you can travail you can weep for the souls of this city Amen? Because God's not going to open their eyes until we go to battle and go to war for them. Amen? We've got to go to battle and to war for them. Amen? They're not going to just... just God's not going to just cause them to just walk out of the bars. There was a story. This happened, I don't know, a hundred years ago or so. There's a town in New York called Rochester, New York. And there was two men that felt like God told them to go to Rochester, New York, and pray for that city. And these two men weren't apostolic. They were just preachers. And so they went to Rochester, New York, and they spent two years in Rochester, New York, praying for that city. Just sitting in a hotel room, praying for that city. I don't know if they were praying in tongues. I, I don't know. I just I know the story, basically. And so for two years, they prayed for that city. And one by one, the bars started closing. One by one, people started getting out of jail, and nobody went back in jail. And pretty soon, they were closing the jails down. This actually happened. Okay? And if you go to Rochester, New York today, and you ask some of the older people, they'll tell you. And they'll also tell you that there's no place in the world like living in Rochester, New York, because the effects of the prayers of those two guys is still there today. Amen. Nobody went dragging people out of bars. They just quit going. And those men, I I don't know specifically what they were praying, but I believe that they were repenting for the sins of that city, just like Nehemiah was praying in that prayer. He said, we. He said, I'm repenting, and I'm going to God for the, the wickedness of our city. We are the ones, too. We are just as guilty as the rest of them. Amen. If they're not in here, then... I mean my question to myself is I can't ask for you is what am I doing? Am I am, am I doing enough? You know and it took 4 months for God to answer but does that mean I just stop after 4 months? You know God sends people here. Amen. We don't have to accept the narrative that oh well this is Wisconsin and they just drink beer here and that's just all that they do. And we just there's nothing we can do about it. Well, what do you mean there's nothing we can do about it? if God can send two men to a city and start closing bars, we, we can cause the distilleries the, the in this town to shut down just by praying. We don't have to go burn them down. We don't, have to, we don't have to protest them. We don't have to walk around with signs going, close this. We don't have to do that. We can just take it to God. Because the Bible says that he would that all men might be saved. But like I said at the beginning, he needs us. You know, you're here because somebody prayed for you. You're here because somebody interceded for you. You're here because somebody ministered to you. When your eyes got open, they were there with Saul. They were there to teach him. And Ananias said, Okay, this is what you got to do. And it was, what, three years before Saul went back full-time into full-time ministry. It took a while to kind of get him brought around. Amen. And so there's, there's a lot of souls in this city. And as I come to a close, I wanted to share a little story. Um, my wife and I, when when we first got in the church in Okinawa, we were still new converts, but we were kind of over the youth. And so I'm not sure if, if the Parkers were there or not yet. Uh, but we were doing a fasting and prayer, like a three-day prayer and fasting, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the young people. And so on Saturday, we were there at the church and we were just kind of in the sanctuary praying and and so I was down on my face literally down on my face prostrate and praying and all of a sudden came over me this feeling like I just like a mother giving birth I just felt this urgency to just pray just profusely praying in tongues and I didn't know what it was about I didn't know why but I just felt to do it and so I did it with everything in me and then it and after a few minutes it just stopped it subsided and I didn't know what was going on. I, I just kind of, you know, we ended that fasting and prayer. We went out to eat something. And then Sunday we had service. And so Sunday morning we were sitting in Brother Dennis's office. And he gets off the phone and says, there's a couple that needs a, a ride to church. And I immediately, it was like something in me, like somebody, you know, hit a buzzer or something. I jumped out of my chair. I said, I'll go get them. I just felt something. And it was, I believe that that was, my prayer was for that couple. And that night, that Saturday night, that couple, and we know this because the husband got up and pulled the razor blade out of his wallet and showed everybody in the church they were going to commit suicide Saturday night. They had planned on committing suicide. (laughs) He just chose me to pray. I don't know if he chose anybody else. But that Sunday morning, they came to church, and his wife... He was raised apostolic. His wife sat there with her arms folded like this, and she was from a Catholic background, and she was just, you know, when you fold your arms, that's kind of a nonverbal cue that you're not receiving anything. Right? No, y'all didn't know that. Now, people will be wondering, I better not fold my arms. I might be sending the wrong message. That Sunday night, she came back with her husband. And at the end of that service, we had an altar call and Brother, Brother Juan was over here praying and his wife was over here on this side praying. And somebody went over there and said, Brother Juan, your wife. And his first thought in his mind was she's done right out of the church, freaking out over all this stuff. But that wasn't the case. She was over there getting the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen when 24 hours before that, they were going to slit their wrists and commit suicide because of some awful, terrible thing they had done. He was a Marine, and they were going to both go to jail. I I still, to this day, don't know the details of what all that was about. But not only did God fill her with the Holy Ghost, we took her down to the East China Sea and baptized her in Jesus' name. Then a typhoon typhoon was coming in, so we were in in typhoon condition too, Baptizing somebody in the East China Sea. God stopped the waves the minute we stepped in the water. Took her out there, baptized her, came back in. Here come a big wave. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, everything, every charge against them was dropped. God will call you to pray for a city. You know, a preacher, when they go into a city, I remember Sister Vesta Mangan talking about when her husband and her went into Alexandria, he spent three weeks fasting and praying before they ever knocked on one door. And then God told him one day, I've given you the power over the prince of this city. Go, go out and do it. And you, you know what they have today. But it all started with somebody having a burden and going to a city. You know, people weren't clamoring at their front door going, When are you going to have church? <laughs> You know, it took prayer. It took fasting. It took an intensity of prayer and fasting, interceding and travailing for that city. And so God sends us into a city. As a whole missions pastor, what's the first thing you've got to start doing? you got to start praying. Because there's a prince over that city. You've got to start binding that thing. You've got to start getting a hold of God and give, letting him give you the authority. I mean, let's all stand in this place. God is so good to us today. He's been good to every one of us that's in this room today. He's called us. He's chosen us. He's selected us. And He has a purpose for us in His kingdom. Is His purpose for us to come and sit in a church pew? I hardly think so. Amen? I don't know about you, but, you know, only the things that we do for God are going to last. Amen? It's all about His kingdom today let's close our eyes in this place and let's just all pray together that God will get a hold of our hearts that God would put something on us like he did on Nehemiah that he would give us that urgency and that desire to, to reach out and to, to touch the hearts and minds of lost souls in our prayers father we